Are you super confused about how to self-promote and build a network as a new freelance or creative? Well, I have some super news for you today because my guest, Super Julie Braun, is a powerhouse of networking and career growth. She founded Super Purposes, which helps freelancers and creatives and generally anybody in the workplace to get crystal clear on their career path and has helped over 16,000 people build those powerhouse careers so that they can go on to have the dream career and dream jobs that they absolutely love. You are going to adore this interview with Super Julie. I know I certainly did. So why don't we get to it? Welcome to the Well-Paid Creative Podcast, where we discover how to run a profitable and satisfying creative business. I'm your host, Gabrielle Chipier, and I'm going to share with you what I've learned in my 17 years as a creative pro, building my own business from barely scraping by to thriving. From attracting quality clients to charging what you're worth and creating amazing work you love without the risk of burnout and overwhelm. But I don't know it all, so in this podcast, we're going to learn a lot together as I interview experts and reflect on my own experiences, both the good and the bad. Before we dive into the show, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, hop on over to wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. All right, let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to the Well-Paid Creative. I am so excited to bring you Julie Braun here today. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And please call me SJ. Whenever I hear the word Julie, I think I'm in trouble by my mom. (laughs) That's how I feel when someone says my full name. I'm like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, super Julie is a lot to say. Um, But SJ, I can totally get behind. Wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit more about you. Where do you come from, your background, and what are you doing now? So I started off my career um, really in the creative field doing um, a lot of art. I used to work in department stores doing their windows. Oh, really? And I was working in visual merchandising, and I moved from that job to um, the corporate offices Um, And I grew up in Southern California, so I worked a lot of years in California, and then my job started to take me all over the place. And I've worked for a lot of corporations, particularly big box brands, um, like Carter's Children's Wear, um, MTV, Victoria's Secret, back in their heyday, um, Bath and Body Works, Estee Lauder, you know, just a lot of big corporations. And I always worked in the creative aspect. So it was either with graphic design, um, store design, uh, merchandising, that sort of thing. And um, about 20, 25 years ago, gosh, it's a long time. I started thinking to myself, I don't want to work for a corporation anymore. Um, the bloom was off my lily. And so I decided that I was, I was going, I wasn't going to work for a big box brand anymore. I was going to start my own business. And it was in a very short order that I started to panic because I realized I didn't have the security of a check coming in every week. 
Um, I didn't have a team of people who were supporting me or I was able to help. And that uh, uh, I didn't have an endless budget. So all of those things kind of transcend. You know, I woke up one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail. And uh, it was in a very short amount of time that I realized that I needed help. I needed people. And I started my own internship program within my first business, and which was a marketing consulting business. And then I moved from that business into a company called superinterns.com, where we helped companies grow their business with the power of interns. And we kind of, you know, put the two together. And in the last three years, I've been pivoting the business to super purposes. And what we do is we help people get the salary that they deserve. And we work with a lot of creative people. So I love what you're doing. And I'm so excited to talk with, you know, creative people. Um, but anyway, that's kind of my story. Wow, that's amazing. So super purposes, what is kind of, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, what we do, you know, we've already helped um, in my career from superinterns.com and super purposes. We've helped over 16,000 people wow. go from either internship or, oh my gosh, I can't find a job to getting the job that they really love and they deserve. And there's a real distinct formula. Um, I have dyslexia and an auditory processing disorder. And it's, when I was a kid, I used to think, what a burden, how horrible. Um, but I turned that liability actually into an asset. And one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I've needed to create these recipes or these formulas for everything that I do. Hmm. Just to get through the day sometimes, I'm like, okay, step number one, do this. Step number two, do that. So I think of everything as kind of like building a cupcake. And I realized that I had the recipe of how to people, how to help people go from, I have no idea what to do, how to get a job, where to go, how, you know, what's my first step, all the way to negotiating multiple job offers, saying goodbye to wherever you're leaving and starting your new job and being incredibly successful. So once when I knew what that recipe was and I kind of had to break it down, we started developing online courses for different mm -hmm. groups of people. And this year, we actually started a, a very creative project, a passion project where we're doing a documentary about five unemployed or underemployed individuals across uh, North America. They are all walks of life and they are on their career journey. So we take them through the 12 weeks of our course and we take them through the 12 weeks of the pain, the fear and the frustrations that people have when they're looking for a job or trying to, you know, figure out where do I want to go? What do I want to do? And we have 
a few creative people in the documentary that are struggling with, do I do freelance for the rest of my life or do I work for a company? So it's, it's a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. Wonderful. So how does that work for someone who does decide to be freelance? So one of the things that I think um, is a challenge for a lot of freelance people is they might think that they're always going to be chasing the business, which in a way sometimes you are, um, until you get a couple of really good clients. And then you're kind of like, oh, this is like being an employee, except for I'm still my boss, my own boss. I can decide when I'm going to work. I can decide what I agree to do or what I don't agree to do. And um, I think, you know, one of the challenges that creative people have is because they love what they do, they sometimes feel like they don't deserve to get paid well. Mm-hmm. And you and I just talked about this recently, where you said there's kind of a guilt with that. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to hear your insight on that, because I think that's, you know, uh, something that's very prevalent. Absolutely. Well, and I think a lot of cre- creatives aren't really taught a lot of the business acumen that a lot of other, you know, post-secondary education gives you they're taught to be good at what they do. So it's all skill focused. It's all creativity focused. It's like problem solving, that kind of stuff. So, but the fact is, is that I would say 70% of people who are graduating creative programs now are becoming freelancers. And so they're let loose with almost no business skills and they love what they do. They want to do it forever and ever and ever. And then they struggle with things like pricing. And then they look at sites like Fiverr and Upwork where people are charging very, very little amounts of money for what they're doing. And so they go into this mindset where, well, how can I charge more? Like, I know I need more because, you know, I have rent and bills and all of this, but I can't justify in my mind charging more because others aren't charging more. So that's where they're getting their pricing hints and their their clues from. But when you break it down, they also feel guilty about actually charging for what they're doing because they know that they're so good at it. It just comes naturally to them. Right. So they don't see the value in what they're doing. It's totally incongruent with the way we really should be which is if you're excellent, if you're an excellent creative person, you should be getting paid very richly. Um, and I do think that, that we do kind of look at that bar of Upwork and Fiverr. Those are great examples to say that most people there are you know, making a low rate. You'll see occasionally in certain, in certain industries like coders, they can make 150, upwards to 250 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know those are those are very uh, specific categories. And you know if you look at graphic designers that are not they're not really making, you know it, it does kind of feel like, oh my gosh, I have to be super price sensitive. Mm-hmm. The thing that we teach people, um, and I think that everyone could take away from maybe this message today is, um, develop relationships with other people who are in the industry that you're in 
but maybe not your direct competitor. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. We're working with um, a gentleman who's in our documentary. His name is Ryan, and he is a cinematographer. He lives in the Bay Area, and he's been struggling with freelance gigs forever. In fact, he told me very early on, I don't want to do any more freelance work. I want to work for a company. And I was kind of like, well, look at you. You're like, no. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. My son just poked his head in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, was saying, I was saying, you're right. No, no, that's, you're, you're absolutely right, Gabrielle. Um, that, uh, you know, especially in certain industries, you're going to have to build the tolerance to know that you will be more successful freelancing than you will working for a, for a company. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was in his case, he kind of came full circle because he made a relationship with someone in San Francisco who is in all of the production studios in that area. She has a plethora of relationships and understanding. She sat down with him for about an hour and she gave him prices that he should be charging, what he needs to get those gigs. She told him what he was missing from his portfolio. Um, you know, she, she just gave him some real easy, tangible things that he could do in a couple of weeks to start sending him work. And I'm a big proponent of personal relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I actually tell people, don't fill out another online application. Online applications are not your friend. They're mostly never seen by a human being. They're seen by what's called an ATS, an applicant tracking system. And the only reason why you would ever get a phone call back from filling out an online application is if you had enough keywords in your application to get noticed by the ATS. And then they might put you into a pile that says, okay, here are the 10 people that might be perfect for the job. Hmm. So the whole application process is horrible. It's rigged. It's not working in the benefit of other human beings. I understand why it happens because most departments, um, HR departments are incredibly lean. They're seen as expense centers instead of income earners. So um, they're very, very lean. They don't have a lot of HR people and they use as many tools as they can to lighten the load of the work. And mm -hmm. recruiting takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of work. So. Um, Anyway, in, in working with Ryan, he developed enough relationships. He now has the sort of networking capabilities that he didn't have previously. And um, his, his career is so bright and so exciting. All right, we're gonna get right back to this interview soon because it is so good. But I just wanted to ask you a question. Do you feel like there's something blocking you from reaching the next level of income and revenue in your business? If so, I have the perfect thing for you. 
I call it the Profit Finder, and it's a fantastic quiz that's designed to find the unique key that's going to fit into the lock of your business and discover exactly what's stopping you from reaching that next level of profit. Now, not only are you going to be able to get the quiz and your results, but you're also going to be able to get the next steps, the things, the actions, the strategies that you can use moving forward to get past this income plateau. Now, you're absolutely going to enjoy this quiz and you should definitely check it out today. It's called The Profit Finder again, and you can find it at wellpaidcreative.com forward slash quiz. So head on over there today answer the questions, get your results, and unlock the profit potential in your business. That's wellpaidcreative.com forward slash quiz. All right, so let's get back to the interview. So how would you advise people to go about building up this network of people? Because I totally agree with you. The people that you know gets you to more people you know, and it's just exponential. Um, and I know a lot of that kind of deals with a bit of self-promotion. So I know you like talking about self-promotion quite a bit. So how can we self-promote ourselves to build up our network? Well, I think, um, the one thing to do is to practice. So if you're the sort of creative person that maybe is more introverted, quiet, maybe hangs back in the background, that's okay because we need you in our lives. You're very important. I have a very dear friend who's a professional introvert <laughs> and she teaches people how to lead companies and uh, introverts, how to, how to lead companies as an introvert. But what I would say is to practice some skills and to gain some muscle in the area of networking. And networking, you know, in the last year and a half with COVID, we've been pretty much relegated to meeting each other on, on Zoom or Skype. Um, it's hard to do a networking event. So, you know, we're, we're limited. But I would say go to places where other professionals are looking for creative people. And I always go to LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is a treasure trove of opportunity. And when you connect with somebody on LinkedIn, humanize LinkedIn, take it to the next step, which is, hey, Gabriella, thank you for, you know, connecting with me. I would love to meet you. I have 15 minutes available on Thursday. What time zone are you in and what works for you? Mm -hmm. I'm not really asking you a yes or no question. I'm actually saying, I'm telling you my call to action. I want to meet you. I want to humanize LinkedIn. I want to go beyond just getting connections. I'm available. So now I'm telling you when I'm available and I'm telling you what to do, which is get back to me and let me know when you're available. And if you are responsive Remember, people, it only takes one yes. So you might have to send out a lot of messages to a lot of people, and there will be people who will ignore you, or maybe they're on vacation, or maybe they just got fired from their job, or maybe they are sick. There could be a million reasons why they don't respond back to you. I don't worry about those people. I only pay attention to the people who respond back to me. Mm -hmm. 
And so the practicing is getting into a quick meeting, introducing yourself, getting to know each other, finding out what their problems are. And then if I'm able to, I will help them solve those problems. And it's a lot like dating. You know, the first time you meet each other, you're kind of like, ooh, I like them. Let me be clever. Let me charm them a little bit. I'm going to ask them a lot of questions. And just let the relationship develop. And in very short order, you will see that you will start getting opportunities because when people fall in love with you, they will want to help you. Mm -hmm. And there's a real formula to this. But my suggestion to everybody is to just practice by doing it. So I always practice my early days. I don't practice anymore. Um, but in my early days, I would always practice in front of a mirror. And I would practice out loud talking to myself. If I had a roommate or if I had a friend, they would always kind of look at me like, man, she's crazy. <laughs> and I was just like, hey, I'm just developing my skills. This is how Oprah did it. And you practice out loud, you say your words out loud, and you practice the conversation that you want to have. And then when you actually get into the conversation, so when you and I are together, I've already practiced a few things about how I might answer a question. Um, perhaps, you know, I recognized when I was staring at myself in the mirror that I have a weird kind of mannerism. And my, I might say to myself, ooh, I got to knock that off. So I'm already practiced and learned. And because I've practiced out loud, I'm hearing what the other person would hear. Very often when we practice, we practice inside our heads. Mm. It is the number one mistake that people make on interviews. They've been practicing inside their heads. And so when they actually go to speak it, they don't sound so great. So that would be my advice. That's, that's some of that getting practice and the practice of self-promotion is getting into conversations with people, talking about them and having a moment to talk about you and what you've been doing. Just do it with one person and they'll turn into 10 and they'll turn into 100. And then before you know it, like I'm on your show, it'll turn into thousands, maybe even millions. I love that. So as you're kind of out there and networking, do you have any tips for kind of maintaining your network? Because I think that's a lot of, I know that I struggle with this. So I'm hoping that at least one other person struggles with this too, where oh you've met gosh. all these people throughout your career, throughout your time, and just keeping in contact with them, maintaining that network so that you don't pop up 10 years later and go, oh, hey. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's somewhat impossible to do a really good job at that because technology has afforded us to meet tons of people very quickly. And um, I think the people that I really go back to over and over and over again are people who I feel are my kindred spirits. Mm. So I might have, by all intents and purposes, somebody would look at my LinkedIn. I'm going to take LinkedIn again because I really believe in the platform. I'm not sponsored by LinkedIn people, <laughs> but I'm just letting you know. Um, I think I have something like 19,000 connections. Oh, wow. So, so that's pretty good for LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but, yeah, it'd be a know, little bit hard to keep a, on yeah. top of 19,000 people. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so I have my, I have my go-to people and my go-to people are experts in different areas that I'm not strong in. Some of them are folks who, again, are just kind of that kindred spirit where I feel like I could really be honest and open with them and tell them, you know, my sob story, whatever's happening at the time, if I need to bend somebody's ear. So I have that group of people. And then I've got other folks where every week I do my best. Sometimes I'm better than others, but I try to reach out to five people a week who are already in my network. And I might just type in, um, like, for example, we're working on a documentary. So before I started working on the documentary, I don't know what I'm doing, right? I've never done a documentary before. I'm like, this is brand new. So what did I do? I typed in documentary. And I looked for people that had experience in documentaries. And all of the people that were listed, I started sending them messages saying, do you have any advice for me? Mm -hmm. um, it took me a week to get some really good advice that I got from people. And I'm so grateful I got that advice. So that's kind of sort of how I maintain it. Um, but I do have some people in my life that reach out to me every year at my birthday. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I never think of you until my birthday. And I get the hello from you. And then I feel like in the next week, I'm going to reach back out to them and find out what are you up to? What are you working on? And how can I help you? I always come from the place of how can I help you? So I like to give first. And then we see if, you know, if somebody wants to help me back, then I'm, I'm a gracious receiver. But um, I think that is one of the key components to really working your network is to be a giver first. And then people will be, you know, they'll have that reciprocity in them where they will want to help you too. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. that. That is fantastic advice. So what are... What's a couple action steps that the listeners can take after listening to this episode? Well, I think um, I think the first action step is if you are creative and you want to get paid what you're deserved, uh, what you deserve, then you need to look beyond what all the platforms out there. So to your earlier point, Upwork and Fiverr, don't look at those as your pricing points. Instead, go to people who would want to hire you and start asking them questions. Make friends. You might already have some friends in business who hire graphic designers all the time, but you never thought, oh, let me set, set up a meeting with them to ask them five questions. Do that. Take the time. Take the 15 minutes to schedule the meeting with them and just ask them, what do you look for in graphic designers? What are your biggest problems that you have? What keeps you up at night when you think of your creative problems? Um, how much do your graphic, your graphic designers get paid? Do you have any projects coming up in the future? And how can I help you? There you hmm. go. 
That's what I would do. And you're going to start ferreting out jobs that will not be low level paid positions. You just need one yes. So don't get discouraged if you send out 100 messages. Just get one yes. Turn one yes into five yeses. So keep going. Keep looking for the yeses. And in very short order, I mean, within a month, you can start getting freelance gigs and getting paid what you deserve. But you have to find out what does the company already pay people? Because most companies are not using uh, Fiverr or Upwork. Most medium-sized companies are not using it. Small and startups are using Fiverr and Upwork, which, you know, makes a lot of sense because they have a limited budget. But you want to work with those medium-sized companies, bigger corporations, thought leaders. You want to work with people who have a bigger budget and who will pay you what you deserve. So that would be my advice. What would your advice be? Now I'm curious. (laughs) Oh, well, based on this conversation, I would say that really, yeah, the power is in the network. And I think in terms of promoting yourself to the network, to the network that you're building, it's important that you remember that people buy from people. And I know a lot of us have these hesitations around sales and marketing or like, oh, sales are icky. I don't want to be a uh, sleazy car salesman trying to pound my wares on the hey, pavement. How many more metaphors can I mix there? But <laughs> but that's not really the truth because really what you're doing is you're giving someone um, a contact. You're letting them know that you can be their go-to person for graphic design or web design or copywriting. And even if they are not the one who picks up the phone and asks you to work for them, they might refer you to someone else. Say, oh, I've got the perfect copywriter for you here. Her name is so-and-so. Let me give you her Facebook profile or whatnot. So when you're just promoting yourself in a way that you're human and that you're letting them know that this is what you do and you're more than willing to work with them on their needs around that, then it kind of takes a lot of the pressure off. It takes that salesy kind of icky feeling away from it. You just reminded me of something that I think is also another barrier that we have. Um, And that is sometimes I think we think, well, um, you know, they probably don't have anything available. Like we already go to the place of no. Mm. And that may be the case. The the case may be, oh, we've got graphic designers on our team. We're all taken care of and everything's great. Okay. When is your next big product launch, sale? And what are you doing for the holidays? Mm. I mean, I get that we're in June, but that's all right around the corner. And if you are at the top of their list, So very much in alignment with what you said, you're at the top of their list and you plant that seed and say, hey, I can be here. You need me tomorrow. I'm here for you. You let me know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I really love that. I'm taking notes. So I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. All right. So I ask everybody on the podcast this question and I love the responses I get. Do you have a hobby or creative activity that you do just for yourself? Creative activity, yeah. 
Um, you know, I do. I, I love flowers. And so um, I'm fortunate. I live in Seattle, Washington. And I'm very fortunate, particularly right now, we have roses blooming, flowers everywhere. So I love to go and cut the flowers and make arrangements. So throughout the house, there's always an arrangement here or there, even if it's just a single flower and a vase. Um, I love organizing things. I am a masterful, like I'm still back in my old days of merchandising. Mm. I look at a cabinet and I'm like, oh, I get to empty out the cabinet and re-merchandise it. <laughs> I know it sounds a little sick, but um, I get really excited about that. And to me, that's like a real creative expression. I think when you're a creative person, sometimes you find creativity in everything you do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I am now. Like even just being with my thoughts, I find myself going into, you know, making movies in my head and telling stories. So, yeah, but I love that question. I'm going to add it when we interview new creative people at Super Purposes. Yeah. Well, because side projects and side passions are definitely important for us creatives. Yeah. Yeah. And what's yours? I do a lot of crochet and knitting and cross stitch. Um, I also do oh. painting as well. Oh my gosh. So you love the needles. So you got the two sticks and you're not afraid to use them. Yep, exactly. <laughs> my That's husband's so always cool. like, I want to give you a hug, but you have sharp things in your hand. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I could tell that you live with a bunch of boys and a man. Mm-hmm, I do. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, SJ. This has been just a fantastic Aww. conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Where thank can people you. find you online? Superpurposes.com. And uh, our docuseries, we are releasing our fourth episode next week, Friday. But by the time this uh, shows, you know, the, probably the whole episode will be ready to go. So we have a YouTube channel. Uh, Super Purposes YouTube channel. You can watch our docu series on uh, from ground zero to career superhero. Oh, wonderful! And we'll make sure that we put all the note the links in the show notes there for you guys to Thank go check you. it out. Thank wonderful. you so much. Well, thanks, Julie. You enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, you have a super day too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Well-Paid Creative. All the discussions we have around these episodes mean a lot to me, and I love how much I learn from the creatives who listen in. Before we head out, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, visit wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. Join me for the next episode as we continue discussing how you can grow and love a profitable creative business. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone you think would benefit. Thanks so much. See you soon.